What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the DC Sports Huddle. I am Rob Woodfork, the record holder for the most DC Sports Huddle episodes with all of them. George Wallace. Mm -hmm. No, that is true. I've never missed an episode. George Wallace. Yeah. George Wallace, the all-time active leader in sportscasts at WTOP. And of course, Dave Preston back from vacation. He is the all-time leader in tri-corner hats acquired and worn. Yes, I've got three. I've and got mag- three of them. And because Magnum shirts. And also trying, Magnum yes. shirts. Magnum yes. Monday, but, uh, it's a thing. But back from vacation yeah. and brought zero slices of Mama Preston's rhubarb pie for us to partake in. See, now how does that even happen? I will, how does that happen? I, I Do you know tr- how much baklava I've had from Mama Wallace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Mama Wallace lives a lot closer to the classic closed nerve center than Mama Presto. And the thing is, even if I had brought some back, it's a 10-hour drive. I'm thinking it, it wouldn't yeah. have gotten to the New Hampshire border, let alone the right. uh, First of all, I've, I've done New England. If you're doing it in 10 hours, you're not driving fast enough. But uh, also, New they Hampshire. have coolers. New Hampshire. New, yeah. You know, northern, like, this. so this is... Uh, I, I did I, it in eight hours. In okay. New England? Yeah. Where did you wind up? Where? But that's probably yeah. But I I have an ex from Rye, New Hampshire. Okay. So we did. So Rye's where eight, you guys wound up, or yeah. Okay. So eight hours. Yeah. See, I I'm more inland, so I had to take more, quote unquote, oh. back roads. Okay. Right. And also, I'm I'm starting from the opposite side of the city. You have the advantage of like the left-handed hitter when he when he when he bunts, you're a step closer to first base. Right-handed hitter, I gotta, I, I that's it's that step or two that gives you an extra couple of drag bunts hit a season. The thing is, he's probably it's probably it's kind I mean, of true. Look, this is why we missed him, man. Let's, because you well, let's can only talk get this about from. The, let's talk about the drive. Yeah, drive was <laughs> how easy, did you, man. Where did you, how many stops? I uh, did three. I always okay. like to uh, on a ten-hour drive or a drive of length. You like for that first bite out of the apple to be huge because yeah. if you if you go th- like an hour, then you know you're yeah, like, yeah, oh gosh, yeah. I've got nine hours left. But instead, it's three hours, maybe three plus hours. You're like, hey, we're thirty percent of the I've way taking through a this good drive. dent out of this. Exactly. I always think it's best to power through because I've done a lot of long road trips yeah, from because right. I went to college in Alabama. So coming from Huntsville, Alabama, right. back to Washington, that's like fourteen hours. And we I don't know if drive. I ever knew that you went to college in Alabama. You, you've never heard me say that? Did you I've know heard that? you say that. I, yeah. yeah. I guess Dave I should pres- pay, Dave pay, pays attention when I talk. I should pay attention to <laughs> All right. Listen to him. And so anyway. also Atlanta. Atlanta's also a very long drive. That's Atlanta's about long. 13, 14 that's, hours. Yeah, that's... thing so. is, uh, being the only driver in the car, so you can't switch off. Also, one has to use the bathroom, sure. and then one gasses up at least once during the trip. So three hours, then maybe two and a half hours, then maybe two and a half, then maybe two hours, and then... So your last drive your the last portion of the drive you're really refreshed it's like putting a closer in out of the bullpen for those la- for that last inning so how long you like how long do you like your last stretch to be two to three hours i'd say two hours two hours, two hours is good because you're not in the car for too long right. and you're 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 refreshed and you're focused and you're gassed up and you've got all the i don't even plan it i just like to just yeah, go fine. as far as you can without yeah. stopping mm-hmm. and then you stop and then yep. you try to go as far as you can without stopping. And We've gotten better now. I, we don't have to plan it with the with the kids. Not I mean, anymore. You have, yeah, you have, but not, you have but not anymore. They just want to stop and eat. Most <laughs> legendary trip ever was coast to coast. My parents, when we moved from Castro Valley, California to Wharton, New Jersey. And as a kid, I was, I was three. So I had memories of this drive where we drove from the San Francisco area to stop somewhere in Colorado. I think it was Greeley or something like that. And then the next day... We got up and drove from Colorado all the way to Philadelphia. And Whoa. my memory as a three-year-old was, oh, yeah, we just drove straight through. 
That's wild. And then years later telling people, and they're like, oh, no, your parents had to have stopped at some point in time for an overnight or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I guess I misremembered. Talking to my mom about the trip, she's like, oh, yeah, my dad was a jet pilot, and, you know, it just he was type A, OCD, focused on things, and they drove straight through. He'd drive oh six God. hours, she'd drive three, six, three, driving shifts, and, pa- and that is... They probably had a game, like, we're going to, you know, we're doing this. <laughs> oh, it was just nuts. Yeah, you like, stopped I don't... for fuel, you stopped yeah. to pee, that's it. And I was just like, what? I, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, pretty crazy. How's yeah. that for a leadoff, huh? Well, it's fine. We can switch. That was it's one fine. crazy drive. Right I mean, there. look, and this and this is a fun episode anyway. It's not. Don't like we, we always have, an have fun? Yeah, I mean, we do. But, but wait, this, real quick, this one doesn't how, have an agenda. When you at the end of your, your traffic, when getting into your town, how yeah. is you know? Are there stretches towards the end? Like you go to the beach. Like there's a last stretch, Canada Beach. The last mile and a half could be a disaster. Could take you a half hour because of traffic. Do you uh, have that getting into your town? No, and okay. and and even coming back, it was because it was uh, maybe it was eight o'clock Sunday night. I was going to say, you have to time the departure. The whole whole part is you got to leave really early before traffic is even Mm -hmm. an option. Got back at 6.37 o'clock. Sunday night? No, Thursday, Beltway. Traffic wasn't ideal, but then again, we weren't focused on the traffic. We were focused on the really bad skies because it was the the smoke. uh, It's like, hey, welcome... Welcome home, Dave. Here's here's the sky. You so, what time do you leave in the morning then? By eight, uh, eight, nine, eight thirty. Eight thirty okay. is the target time right. to leave. Eight thirty in the morning. From my mom said, "Yeah, my mom fixed me breakfast." I mean, you, you can't didn't get say any no to this breakfast guy. from your mother. <laughs> you didn't get any. Remember? Seriously, no. It's a nice I corned mean, beef hash with you, some eggs. You get. Oh. You got to get on the road. You yeah, get on the road. Oh, no, no. And, I, and, I, no. And here's the thing: you always have to take into account when you're going to be hitting yep, the more right. populated. Yeah, cities. like if you get back here, but you hit the beltway. If you come back from the beach, you hit fifty. You come back, you hit the beltway. You don't hit the beltway at four. The goal was to miss to get in during the tail end of traffic, right. you know, which is six thirty seven yeah. o'clock, which is oh maddest I ever been in my life was my um, my former father in law uh, when I was married uh, talked to me out of leaving. We were at the beach for Memorial Day weekend. Okay, and so I had the game plan. We're going to leave at five o'clock in the morning. We're going to beat the traffic. We get back. I was living in Pennsylvania at the time, so it's probably about a four plus hour drive maybe uh you could probably do it in three and a half so he's like no i leave 10 o'clock mm. Mm. do it all the time it's fine so of course my wife at the time wants to you know follow his lead on that and so i was like all right we can leave later disaster i'm sorry it took eight hours to get yeah, back and during that and i don't know if people know this but apparently there's a law on the books in maryland you have to have your headlights on all the time yeah even during the day Sunlight, we're stuck in traffic. I get pulled over for not having my headlights on. My daughter's three at the time. Yeah. She's back there fussing and crying because we've been in the car so long. Sure. So I'm just looking at the cop. I'm just like, give me a ticket. Don't give me a ticket. Let me go. Kids crying in the back. Just let me go. And I can't remember if I got a ticket or if I got a warrant. You may not have. But eight hours. That's rough, man. And that's why we're not married anymore. No, actually, no. It's no. Not. <laughs> Relationship <laughs> talk on this week's DC Sports Huddle, boys and girls. Oh, boy. All right, well, that was a fun episode. Yeah, yeah that was a fun episode. Uh, the reason we assembled here is not to talk travel, but uh, unbreakable records in sports history. And there are several that you, know, you look at and you're like, wow, nobody's ever going to do that again. Right. For me, it's Cal Ripken's uh, yeah. consecutive right. games. 2,632 consecutive games played. Nobody goes basically their entire career without missing work. Unless you're me on the huddle, in which case. There we go again. (laughs) Unless Kevin Costner uh, winds up. 
Never also, mind. when you can yeah. set when the games are played. I mean, right. Cal yeah. couldn't set when the games were played. No. We can set when this podcast airs. But uh, that, to me, is the most unbelievable thing that I have ever seen in sports. I think that's unbreakable. Because, I mean, nowadays, guys take days off just for precautionary reasons. You're not even hurt. It's not even an issue about right. not getting injured. And the whole load management thing. Right. And so... I don't think we'll ever see anybody even come within shouting distance of that. I think the active streak right now might be like a couple of seasons, maybe. Right. I if think that. Is see, that yeah. it? Yeah. You'll see guys make runs at it. And when I say make runs, like Dale Murphy began his career. I think he played like the first, you know, set, you know, couple seasons in a row or what have you. And then he started to get hurt. I mean, you'll you'll see guys have stretches, but I don't think anybody's even gonna play a thousand games no. you know, consecutively nowadays. And I think when we uh, before coming on uh, the DC Sports Hall, we were talking about what records we should think of, and I'm not going to go with records like Cy Young's 511 wins, records that weren't set while we were alive, records that we actually saw, experienced, and stuff like that. I think Nolan Ryan's seven no hitters is untouchable because yeah. yeah. you get you have guys now who are premier pitchers who don't have seven complete games, let alone seven shutouts, let alone seven no hitters. So that's. If, if I were to choose a record outside of Ripken's streak, I'd go with Nolan Ryan's seven no-nos for baseball. Okay. How about you, George? What do you think? I'm Most trying to find out what the current I'm trying to find out the current <laughs> one. The thing with Ripken's is too, it's like, okay, that stood for what, 55, 56 years, right? Yeah. And you thought, okay. Before th- Cal broke it. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Garrick's. But then he went on five hundred more games than I mean <laughs> He lapped it he pretty much. Basically, and they, that that streak alone may not that one may not be broken. Five hundred yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah. What I think is amazing too is that uh, he the 1991 MVP season for Ripken. I, 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 he was still producing like an All Star, but he was you could say, oh, he's been slipping the last couple of years. He hadn't had a hundred RBI season for a few seasons, I believe. And the Orioles were in the process of revamping, rebuilding. They weren't where they were in the late 90s where they were making the playoffs, but they weren't as bad as they were when they lost over 100 games in 88. And there was conventional wisdom that it's like, you know what? Ripken's numbers are declining because he's playing every day. He needs to take some days off to be a more productive player. And he went out and just took no prisoners in 1991, won the MVP, for a bad team, and that basically basically gave him carte blanche to he's going to stop playing when he decides to stop playing. That that was yeah. that year is so underrated as far as a, a year because if he doesn't have a great year, if he has another so so year, he probably takes a day off at some point mm-hmm. in time in ninety two, ninety three, or ninety four, and he doesn't break the record. Yeah, and but he just he had a oh he was phenomenal in the and back. He did end, have his moments there on the back end of mm. his career too because i remember is and we're recording this before the all-star game but uh i remember when he homered in his final right. all-star in appearance Seattle. and how yeah how big that was so and he moved over played short yeah right, right, right. Mm. tory put him over and played yeah. short that was uh that was uh, he, he was moment. that was he was fun to watch the, the strikeout one too yeah walter johnson's is that's that's up yeah 100 was 100 100 i mean it's almost shut as out, shut not strikeouts shutouts yeah it's almost baseball is a game that has evolved in such a manner, and all the other sports have too. It's almost as though you should have oh 21st century standards and 20th century standards because the you know every game, even though it's the same game, so to speak, the games are played. All, I think all four of the games are played completely differently, and it's different context now as opposed to 1985 or 1955. For heaven's sake, this most is career a- shutouts. Walter Johnson 110. Wow. 
417 games over he won 417 games over 21 seasons. 110 of those 417 wins were complete game Man. shutouts. <laughs> You're not going to guys are got, yeah, that's uh, wild. Complete I, I game shutouts. I don't wild. know what the active who the active leader is in complete games. Roy Halladay, 20. Okay, 20. Uh, she talking about shutouts? Oh, uh, no, no. no. Oh, I'm sorry. Games. Okay, okay. But it's just, you know, so that's that's why the no-nos come into play because the game is pitched completely differently now as opposed to then. Agreed. So that's 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 our baseball for uh, if, if we can talk about the other sports. NFL, <laughs> Emmett Smith, his, his career rushing record, 18,355. I think that stands closest to him right now is Derrick Henry over 10,000 yards away and he doesn't have seven or eight seasons left in him. And that's I think it's and, also and, and the it's way funny the game you bring is that, played. Right, exactly. And I think that it's funny you bring that up because that is a product of how the game is played right. now. Running backs have been de-emphasized and that's been a topic of discussion uh in recent weeks because there's some big name running backs like Saquon Barkley and uh, the kid in Indianapolis, uh, Jonathan Taylor, who are coming up for contract extensions, and I don't think anybody wants to pay them. No. And and you look on the free agent market right now, Dalvin Cook is still without a team as of this recording. I remember when the the Colts let Edger and James walk. It's like, how do you do that? Right. And that was after they moved out of the Marshall Falk business. Exactly. It's like, how do you move on from that? And it's like the NFL just treats running backs like they're just fungible commodities. Disposable. Yeah. And, I mean, it's hard to take anybody to task for that because you're finding guys. I mean, look, one of the probably the best player out of that 2012 draft for the Washington Commanders was Alfred Morris in the sixth round. You can find stud running back, and to mm. this day, he's still the all-time single-season uh, right. rushing rec- uh, leader uh, in franchise history. Can you believe that? Yeah. They, like if, if say if they said, "Hey, who?" People might say, "Oh, Rigo." They're like, "No, no." How about Portis? Maybe Larry Brown. You know, no. The, and no, Alfred no. Morris. Yeah, just had that's an a cool record to have. Yeah, and uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he broke it as a rookie. And then broke it again the year after, if I'm not mistaken. He was really good for this team. And I think the difference between great running backs and great wide receivers and quarterbacks is that a running back's greatness really depends on how good his offensive line is, with a few exceptions. The stars, Walter Payton, would have been great behind, you know, five guys from the Y. Right. But I think, (laughs) you know, you look at uh, when you see the commanders, for instance, when when their line has been good, they've Mm -hmm. had good running games when their line has been an absolute, you know, bad play to nachos, you've seen them have, yeah. you struggle to run the football. And I think that goes, so I think a, a running back's career stats hinge more on the type of team that's put around him than say a wide receiver or a quarterback. And to that point, the hottest, and this is how old I am, the hottest debate when I was a kid was always who's the better running back, Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders. Right. And you always had, you know, some pretty vehement argument. Anytime you do like one of these sorts of debates, vehement arguments on either side. And I remember the knock against Emmett was you put him behind Barry's line in Detroit and see what happens. Yeah. He was running behind five refrigerators in Dallas. Yeah. So it's like you look at the numbers that he amassed, and they were impressive, and he was very durable for that position. I think one of the earliest memories I have of watching football was 
when he uh, famously separated his shoulder and um, the Giants against game. the Giants against the Giants and I played want, through it. I want to say that was the first game or one of the few times that John Madden actually went down to the locker room and you know congratulated a player or something <laughs> like that. He yeah. sought him out after that game. Yeah. I want to say that may have been the last Summerall Madden game on CBS regular season. Because Fox had the rights. That sounds correct. The next year, I could I, right. I, I could be wrong. Another thing with Emmett Smith, not to you know, uh, he was a you know, Hall of Fame back, but you look at his the, the amount of carries that he had as opposed mm. to other running backs. Oh, he before, carried a big load. Yes, yeah. he carried the ball nine, probably ninety percent of the time. Yeah, and before that, you saw before Jimmy Johnson uh, became a head coach with the Cowboys, you'd see. You know, say, for instance, uh, for the Browns, uh, Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner. Yeah. Um, Mack was the primary ball carrier. He'd get the ball 60 to 70 percent of the time. Jimmy Johnson was, I think, the first coach who in the NFL who basically said, you know what? I'm giving the ball to my best back 90 to 95 percent of the yeah, time. Workhorse. Fullback is just a blocker. And sometimes <laughs> right. we won't even have a fullback. Now the fullback is all but gone in the NFL. You know, as far as base packages, you know, you, you rarely see, you know, twin backs, you know, in the backfield on first and 10. Yeah. And uh, and part of the evolution towards that was Jimmy Johnson basically saying, Daryl Johnson, you are a third guard and you're going to get the ball maybe three to five times a game, if that. Yeah. And never in our base package, the ball's going to Emmett all the time. Yeah. And and, and that's how you amass all yeah. of those yards, to your point. And uh, I, I agree with you. I would... And I know that this is a passing league, and I know that there is the possibility that uh, somebody could play somewhere near as long right. as uh, Tom Brady. But Tom Brady threw for almost ninety thousand yards in his career. Yeah, that's a lot. I don't. I don't know that anybody's going to do that. I don't think anybody's going to last long enough to do that. And he didn't have that precipitous drop. There's, there's always that, or at least traditionally. There has been when a quarterback gets old, now you want to sort of de-emphasize him a little bit. You want to lean on the run. You want to, mm. you know, shorten up his passes a little bit. Uh, you didn't really see that with Tom Brady. He no. was still airing it out. He was still throwing. I think his last full season he threw for, uh, it wasn't 5,000 yards, but it was like 4,600 or 4,700, something to that effect. So I, I don't know that you're going to see somebody play that consistently well and not get hurt. I mean, he did lose the one season to the knee injury, but I mean, was that twenty three full seasons there? Yeah. So I don't know that you're going to see somebody do that. Patrick Mahomes has put up some eye popping numbers. I don't know that he's going to play for twenty three years. Mahomes has a chance, I think, to equal one of Brady's marks, which is eight trips to a conference championship game. Yeah. Eight, eight straight, yeah. which is just before Brady turned before Brady and the Patriots turned that trick twenty eleven to twenty eighteen. Yeah. You didn't see that. I think the the record previously was five, and that was Kenny Stabler and the Raiders from 73 to 77. Yeah. But you just did not see extended greatness like that. I want to – was uh, Aikman and the Cowboys was 92 to 95. Yeah. That was four. Yeah. But for the – I, I think uh, Mahomes has a chance to equal that mark and, and, and the Chiefs. It also I, depends on how long they keep that Andy right. Reid thing yeah. together. Uh, I don't the know AFC's what has gotten a lot tougher is. too. Oh yeah, right. I mean all it takes Bills, is one upset. Bengals, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't sleep on the Ravens. I think the people Ravens. are sleeping on the Ravens a little bit. So, what are you sleeping on today, George? <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Should we talk about our Fourth of July weekends? Oh no, sorry. All right, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> people might be more interested in that. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
So this actually is a good segue to something else I wanted to. Touch Did I miss on. Uh, real quick? Did I miss another record after baseball? Oh, they were talking about Brady. I went to do a sports. Uh, cast. No, we were talking about the Emmett uh, Smith's Emmett rushing, Smith's rushing record. record. Oh yeah, 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 Untouchable. yeah, yeah. Okay, that's um, probably true. That could be true. Yeah. yeah. So with the Patriots, uh, there was a report on Fourth of July that the relationship between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick might be souring. Uh, maybe that uh, marriage has uh, run its course. Uh, especially if the Patriots fail to win a playoff game this coming season. Mm -hmm. Um, The question is, if you're the commanders, do you make a run at uh, Bill Belichick? I mean, look, here's the thing. They're going to be under new ownership imminently. The commanders will. I don't think any of us has a lot of confidence that Ron Rivera is going to last beyond 2023, especially if they also flame out. So let's just say in a world where – you know, the commanders don't make the playoffs or they go to the playoffs and they get the doors blown off them in the wild card round. Right. And the same happens with New England. Do you see Belichick on the market? And if you're Washington, do you roll that dice? I, do you think Belichick will continue, would want to continue coaching? I think he might just, like Brady wanted to continue quarterbacking to prove that it wasn't all uh, Belichick. I yeah. think Belichick wants to prove in some way, shape, or form that it wasn't all Brady. Right, but if he's done that now the last three or four years and haven't done anything, you think he'd still want to try to prove that? Well, here's the thing, and we've had this come up in the past with you know, maybe the Burgundy and Gold making a run at at Belichick, mm-hmm. and it's because he does have some local ties. He has a really soft spot in his heart for Navy. Mm-hmm. His father mm-hmm. was a coach there, if I recall correctly, and he grew up in Annapolis area, and so... He has love for this area. And so, you know, to see him come back, and I think he has respect for, you know, sort of the legacy that Joe Gibbs left with the organization. And uh, even though he doesn't have ties directly to the commander's organization, Uh he certainly has a respect for it and would love to see it be relevant again. And so, I mean, that look, you you come and do that. <laughs> you right. come here and win. Yeah. I mean, that removes any doubt as to your importance in NFL history. And not only would you do it without Brady, but you would do it with a franchise that was basically left for dead. And without and Robert you, Kraft. Right, and without Robert Kraft. Yeah. And without, yeah, so I think that would be a challenge that he would want. I think there would be an attraction from the organization standpoint because of the – obviously because of the track record – my thing is this: He's seventy-one. So how much longer? That's what I mean. Is, is he, he gonna go? Right, right. You know what I mean. So it's like there's been talk that oh, he coached until he's eighty and all that. If he still has a zest for it, if he still loves it, and that's what you know gets him going in the morning, right. then sure, fine. I mean, right. yeah. But it's like from Washington's standpoint, I would like to see them do something that they will set in place and that they will keep in place for an extended period. I have always, always, always envied the Pittsburgh Steelers Mm. because they have hired three coaches since 1970. 1970. That's over 50 years of just sustained, and each one of them has been to multiple Super Bowls, has won at least one, you know, wins over wins over wins over wins. And so that sort of stability, you can't just – you know, you can't. You can say you want that, but it takes a lot for you to do right. that. It takes a lot of patience. It takes drafting well and all of that. But I would like to see them get somebody who is young enough that it's plausible that they could be here 
for 10 to 15 years. I still think, and I've said this on here before, and people look at me crazy, I would call up Pittsburgh and I would see what it takes to get Mike Tomlin here. Because he's yeah. fi- he's 51. Okay. And he seems like the kind of guy who's going to who would give you 15 years yeah. in a place even at his in his current age. I mean, you know, do the math. He would he wouldn't even be that old if he no. decided to step yeah. away after that. So, uh I'd take Tomlin a second. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, I would move heaven and, yeah. and, and look, and I would give up draft picks. I would give up two first yeah. rounders yeah. to have a coach like that. A good coach because is there's worth two far. things yep. exactly. There's two things that Washington has to has to have. Got to have a difference maker as a coach. Got to have a difference maker as a quarterback. They have everything else pretty much in place to be competitive. You get those two things, and if you're aggressive in getting those things, I think that that jump starts this new era in a very significant way. So I don't know that you could do that with Bill Belichick because, and and this is gonna this, would, is, this is gonna come off hot taking. Okay, and you've watched him quite yeah. a bit being a New England guy. You take the Brady years away, and I don't even think he has a winning record without Brady. He doesn't. He, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't believe he does. But I think uh, Belichick would be the sizzle higher, whereas yes. I think Tomlin would be the stake higher. Yes. Yep. So. I bet, but that would be a sizzling stake if, they get, if they get Tomlin. They get, yeah. yeah. If you're asking me to say now, I would say I would not want Belichick. But again, it's uh, you know he doesn't seem like a guy they'd do for money or whatever, and it's not Dan Snyder anymore that's you know going to open up right. banks to pay you like Shanahan or yeah. Zorn. No, I think, no, I think the question's kind of moot because uh, my latest projection has the Burgundy and Gold going 9-3-4 and four and making the go. playoffs. Here we go. You can make the and playoffs, actually, look, but you, you have pro- to win a playoff game. Are you going to win a playoff game or are you going to oh, tie you, a playoff You go 9-3-4. and four, I mean, the possibilities yeah. are endless. <laughs> Do you have the and games I mean, that they're tying? 9-4-4. Four and, four. Nine, four and four, Do you have the bad. games they're tying or is that a whole new episode? That is a whole new <laughs> huddle. A whole new, a whole scary why do you, huddle. Why do you no. encourage him? <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I think no, real fast. If there, there's so much up in the air, forget forget just the Rivera thing. But now the Bienemy is a whole new thing. This is Bienemy's baby now. He's running everything, so it's going to be interesting. He's running everything offensive, right? Offensively, yeah. So it is a lot of question marks. If they they go to the playoffs, you lose a playoff game, you don't win the playoffs, but your offense is cooking this year, then you know. It's going to be his team. I think you have to give him a shot at it. If it's not, then you blow everybody out and you start completely fresh. You know, who knows? It, so it you really so think, miss, and, and you've said this before, you really think that Biennemi's presence here is basically almost like a soft launch into him being yes, the head coach. I do. I do. All right. That's a, but that being said, you can't go out and you know score 12 points a game either. No. Right. Um, you know what I mean? You can't. Yeah. It's all. This is a test for him, too. He doesn't have Mahomes. What would be a success for him? It's a great question. Um, I think if the offense is putting up 25, 28 points a game and you're in games and you're losing shootouts maybe, you know, but you are very – you put together a pretty good offense and Sam Howell is, becomes the guy, you give him a ton of credit. I think if Terry McLaurin gets more than one target in the first quarter, it's a victory. <laughs> That's a victory. That's a- and there were some games where that didn't happen. I, yeah. I think – if we see some, if we see a dynamic offense on the field again, twenty-five to twenty-eight points, the ability for this team to score in bunches, which yeah. I think, with the exception of the Jacksonville game, you really didn't feel that they had last year. 
Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You, you just, that, that was the, week one was like, oh my goodness, look at what this offense can do all of a sudden. Yep. And then they didn't do it. You know, I, although and that's I think always a fool's the Detroit game. Week game, one. They, yeah, yeah. they rallied. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I think if we see a good offense, you know, on the field this fall, I think there might be you know transition, even if they do go eight, seven, and two. And, and the here's the thing. And here's the thing, though. The I think that bar has to be higher than that, though. I think 20, 25 points is pretty close to the league average. All right. Th- yeah, that's, so yeah. I agree. If you're, I mean, if you're yeah. at 25 points, I mean, that's that should be the floor for what he does. But tw- I would make 28 points the floor, and you need to be scoring in the 30s. 32, 33, to, yeah, 34, yeah. whatever. And <laughs> with black coaches in the NFL, the goalposts get moved all the time. So it's like if they do average, let's even say they average 28 points a game. Right, significant improvement over where they were. Sam Howell looks legit, and all of that. But for whatever reason, they're four and four at the midway point of the season. Nobody's going to give him his flowers for that. Oh, I don't know. I think it's. I, I, Nobody's going to give him his flowers for that. No, I think this year. I think you're going to see. I think it's going to be. But if they come, he what what has to happen for him to get his proper due is they're going to have to score over thirty points a game, and they're going to have to surprise some folks and be. Running, I don't want to say neck and neck, but you need to be close to whoever's in first place in the division. I think this division is way more wide open than people want to let on. Philadelphia looks so good on paper, but they've lost a number of, they've lost both their coordinators. They've lost a number of key players to free agency and so forth. So, you know, I think the gap between them and Dallas has closed a little bit. I think Dallas is a little overrated. I think the Giants are in a very precarious situation where their quarterback may or may not be the guy, and right. they're not paying Saquon Barkley. So Washington could, if they slide up and let's say at that midway point of the season, instead of 4-4, four and four, they're 6-2, and two, and they're averaging over 30 points a game. Now we're seeing the enemy get his – his credit and his due because you've never seen that from a Ron Rivera team. And it would yes. obviously be, it would obviously be his, his presence. His imprint. And I'll even give you this. If they're struggling, <laughs> have they done that in the early season? <laughs> if they struggle, then I would even, you know, new group, new, you know, you, it's Benemy's audition. You give him however much of the season. But here's the thing, they though. They start two and six. But, but here to me is the fallacy of that, is that if they are, and I'm just using midway points because it's easy math. Yeah. Let, let's say they're two and six Yeah. after eight games. If you're averaging 30 points a game, I have a hard time thinking with as talented oh, that as that defense be is. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing is that's the offense would have to, I don't want to say crater, but they would have to be playing at and then if, a lower level. And then if that's that, the case, yeah. then do you really want him to if it's yeah. right? So, and that's <laughs> right. the thing. And everybody's got different skill sets. And this is kind of the underrated thing when you talk about coaching is that some guys are wired to be head coaches. Some guys are wired to be coordinators. Like yeah. you have certain you know strengths and weaknesses that mm-hmm. lend you to be a better fit into one role or the other. Based on everything that I've seen from Eric Bieniemy, there's a very real possibility that he's a better head coach than he is a coordinator. Yeah. And so, even if they do struggle, I wouldn't rule him out no. oh, as yeah, a yeah, head yeah, coaching yeah. candidate because of that. Even though, <laughs> as a head coaching candidate, he's been kind of ruled out because his offense has been so great right. and nobody wants to give him credit for it. So, I'm interested to see how that plays out. 
because we you may because and, and I think we've said this on here before. Like I think Jack Del Rio is a better head coach than he is a coordinator. I and think so, you're right. Yeah, the best lieutenant isn't always the best captain. Correct, so to speak. Correct. And we had that discussion at OTAs. I was yeah. saying, do you last year if they had blown out Rivera, obviously you give it to Jack. He's been the head coach. Yeah. Here with Bienemy on staff, a couple people I was talking to said, I don't. It doesn't matter. You can't. Even though he's been a head coach, you can't. Yeah, the enemy's yeah. got the title now of assistant, correct? Or whatever assistant right. head coach, correct? So he would be the choice to get he it. Would have to be, yeah. He would have to be. And all right, well, and honestly, yeah. I don't know that. God, with Ron Rivera, I don't think he's a guy, and I know that this has already happened to him in Carolina. I don't think he's a guy that you blow out in season. It may not be. Only, only I, you're right. The only thing because of who he is, and and yeah, yeah, I get that. But also at the same time, it could be an ownership thing. And he actually had an ownership change too there, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, sure. but it's a conversation maybe you have. Look, hey, this is not going to end well for you. Yeah. Let's 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 It's a great way to word it. Yeah, peace <laughs> with honor. It's peace with yeah, honor. My, you know? Also, I haven't ruled out him, you know, if he wants it, although you don't want to I don't like the GM I don't like Ron Rivera the GM, but you move him upstairs right. if he wants to continue. I don't think he's gonna coach again. You don't think so? Ron? Yeah. Uh, He's in his 60s. He's 60, off the top of my head, he's 61. He yeah. might be going on 62. <sighs> yeah, that's tough because yeah. it's different for everybody. We're yeah. seeing guys, I mean, in, you know, quite as it's kept. Uh, Pete Carroll is in his 70s. Right. But he has an energy and an enthusiasm about him that... This is annoying. Then yeah. you get, yeah. uh, who is it, uh, what, um, Sean McKay almost, you know, yeah. left. So, yeah. you know, different, exactly. different guys have different, you know, life yeah. plans and, and stuff And how old like was that. Gibbs when he retired the first time? I mean... Yeah, he was... Uh, 51 you know, I was, was going to say, he wasn't even, like he wasn't even yeah. in his 60s. So, no. you know, e- everybody's different. So, you know, for Rivera, I mean, he's he's a guy that I could see doing something front office. I don't know that it's here, though. Yeah. I don't know that it's here. Yeah. I could see him latching on with the Bears. I mean, he could I, go back home. Yeah, he's got, yeah. he's got yeah. love for that organization. Mm-hmm. If they go five and whatever this year, right. yeah. They could make a head coaching change, and I could see him wanting to, you know, finish out there, make that his last coaching stop. And can you believe Gibbs came back almost twenty years ago? Yeah, something else. Yeah, that was that was the it silver going, bullet. That is, was the silver bullet for years. the organization. Oh four, oh four. He was gone twelve. Yeah, first time. Yeah, and when they were looking for the new coach, it's who wants who wants this job. Nobody wants this job. Yeah, and they and they've from out of nowhere wants to replace, the White Knight. Who wants back. to replace Spurrier? Who can yeah. follow Spurrier? No, and here's the thing, though. A lot of people want to like try to take his bust out of Canton over that. I think you should need to shine it up and make it gold based on what oh, he did Gibbs, there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who, Joe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you can't. I mean, I mean... <clears throat> for what that organization was and for the cast of characters that he had, and look, he right. wasn't perfect in that, and he contributed yeah. to that. It took that. a little bit, Sending yeah. draft picks for uh, Mark Brunel yeah. was still idiotic. It took, a, it took a second to get back. He came in, yeah. Greg Williams was a great hire. By the way, that should have been his replacement, number right. one. Well, that's a whole other yeah. story. That's because Danny wanted to be in the room, and Greg yeah. didn't want him. He didn't want him in the room. But, I mean, you had a guy, you had your star player murdered. Yeah. yeah. And you won five straight to end the season, go to playoffs. They went to, And they went to the playoffs twice. He took. He basically twice. dragged a dead limb yeah. alongside and went to the right. playoffs twice. And he's the last coach to win a playoff game. That was 2005. Correct. That was the Gibbs team. Correct. So uh, one playoff win this century. The, oh my yeah. goodness! The oh. wild card win in Tampa. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. That's that's right, what well, you're buying into. Yeah. 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 Wow. Let's go listen to Baker Street <laughs> yeah, jo- while we're at it. Josh Harris. That's what you're buying into yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, 
the bar can't be any lower. So, I mean, right. just by virtue of getting a team to the playoffs and winning. Would Look, be, you're 15 days away. Yeah. I mean, as of this recording, 15 days away, and obviously we'll do a great, hey, we should do uh, we should do an episode with you. George will be in Minnesota. I don't know that yet. Oh. Uh, you will. You will. I'm speaking it into existence. Okay. Do we have time for two more listen. records? Let's go. We don't think it'll be broken. Let's go. I know that there were, uh, I think, uh, Wilt's 100 points in the NBA. That stands. Mm. It wasn't set when I was alive, so I'm going to go instead with Nate Archibald leading the league in scoring and assists in the, in the same season. Mm. That's that's the un... I can see somebody scoring 100 points. Okay. Because here's the thing. He did that without the three. Right. They have the three-point line now. Yeah. And dudes are jacking up yeah. shots. All you need is four, and and I think it would be somebody like a like a Steph Curry or a who just uh, gets hot. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, Damian Lillard yeah. or one of those guys who just has no conscience and just pulls up from the logo. And when he's hot, he's making them. So, um, so, so yeah. So I mean, okay. I I, yeah. I see that, and it's stood I, for how long now? Almost like 60, 60 plus years. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the fact that and the game was played in Hershey, Pennsylvania. A lot of, of people don't know that. See, yeah. I know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. my my ties up there. Uh, yeah, Hershey, Pennsylvania was where that uh, where that game. But was I, I think uh, Nate Archibald scoring an assist said I think seventy two seventy three. I think that stands. That's that's the one set in my lifetime. NHL. I think Gretzky's goals in a season ninety two. Mm-hmm. I think is two hundred fifteen points set in nineteen eighty six because it's a different game now mm-hmm. and uh, over an eighty. Games now 82 game season, you just you don't see scoring like that anymore. So another one, uh, Bobby Orr won basically every trophy, whether it was you know the Rookie of the Year MVP, top defenseman, um, and then what was uh, you know playoff MVP. I don't think anyone wins all of those trophies in their career. So those okay. are other considerations. Like yeah, yeah, those are good. I didn't prepare one for every sport. I just had a couple that I had some time uh, off to do that. He had a drive. He had <laughs> he was a drive. Like, look, he Something was on to do the during beach. the drive, man. He was on the beach yeah. just scribbling. Yeah. That's what we like about Dave Preston. He's dedicated. He's dedicated Actually, to Actually, it rained all week, so I had no time at <laughs> <in> the beach. <laughs> there it is, folks. Uh, and uh, this was a fun episode of yeah. the DC Sports Subtle. Uh, we will certainly uh, reconvene. So you say it like all the time. This was a fun episode. Like we don't have fun or other times. Or I just you like saying this is a, this was a fun episode. Like everybody shocked everybody. This is a yeah. fun episode. Well, this is a great I, one. I didn't say it like it was a surprise. I, well, that's how I. They're took all it. fun. Okay, they're all fun. You're so sensitive. I am. That's what I like about you, though. <laughs> so sensitive. Yeah. He feels deep. <laughs> we all have feelings. Like Sammy Davis Jr. 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 <laughs> you get that reference. Yeah. You're my favorite listener. That's right. All leave right, a, guys. Leave us a comment. <laughs> if you've listened this far, if you, you listen to this, to the, this is the B side, baby. This yeah. is the B side. All right, great uh, episode of the DC Sports Huddle. Rob Woodfork signing off with uh, Dave Preston, George Wallace, and yes, we're going to clap it up. Thanks for not clapping again, George. The streak continues. Yeah, it continues. That streak's never going to be broken. Oh, There's your record that's never going to be broken.